Suspense. hushed voice and the prowling step, the crime that is almost committed, the finger of suspicion pointing perhaps at the wrong man, the stir of nerves at the ticking of the clock, the rescue that might be too late or the murderer who might get away, mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure. We invite you to enjoy stories that keep you in... Suspense. For suspense, tonight we present The Lord of the Witch Doctors by John Dixon Carr. The drums were beating that night. The Lord of the Witch Doctors was on his way. Twenty miles off the East African coast... And by the blistering heat of the Indian Ocean lies the island of Zanzibar. Here, many years ago... To be exact, in the year 1889. Three nations were rivals for Imperial German Eagle. At Mogadishu, for the Italians, a mixed population boiled along that coast, Portuguese, Arabs, Swahili. On the island itself, Sayed Khalif, Sultan of Zanzibar ruled the remains of a once mighty empire, Mohammedan Bantus of the tribe of Zeng. Look over there in the moonlight. That white building, patched and rotted, was the palace where Sayyid Khalif lived with his fat wives and his captive lion. Not far away on the hill overlooking the harbor stood the British Residency. The British resident, or crown official, held uneasy sway against German and Italian influence. And at the residency on that hot night long... Martha. Yes, Father? Uh, come away from the windows, please. But, Father, those drums are on the mainland. Never mind. Twenty miles from here. I'd rather you stood back. It's the fires I don't like, sir. You can see the red light all this distance. Having a beano of some kind. You'd better stand back, too, Mr. Harris. Oh, look here, sir. Yes, Mr. Harris? I've been your diplomatic attache in this place for three years. Couldn't you call me by my first name in private? Just as you please. Lower the sun blinds and turn down the wick of that lamp. You don't think there's any danger? There's no danger whatever, but... Piero seems terribly restless tonight. Only natural, my dear, with the drums going. Everybody seems restless. This has been going on for days. You begin to get in your nerves. So you feel it too, eh? And I do wish Sayed Khalif wouldn't tease Nero, jab at him with a meat fork and that kind of thing. If that lion ever got loose... Nerves, my dear, nothing but nerves. Let's face it, sir. There's something very queer going on over on that mainland. Well, suppose there is. All we know is what Nyoka knows. This great witch doctor, whoever he is, has been making a triumphal progress to the coast. The whole bush is afraid of him. You alarm me. Nyoka says he's got horns. He can make himself seven feet tall. Like stretching an accordion. Oh, really, Bill Harris? Well, I don't say I believe it. I say it might be dangerous. Now, for instance, 
Could this be one of Dr. Schmidt's tricks? Dr. Schmidt is a friend of ours. Yes, he's also head of the German East Africa Company. Dr. Schmidt is a gentleman. Look at that coast over there. He's got every native chief in his pocket. Dr. Schmidt assured me that the German emperor has no more territorial claims in East Africa. We get our trade concessions from Said Khalif. Said's our only friend, but we can't even be sure of him. The Germans give him trade gin and a grand piano... The Italians give him three new wives for his harem. What do we give him? I have no instructions from London about the situation in this island. No. Somebody in Whitehall probably forgot to post them. For the last time, Mr. Harris, I will not hear His Majesty's government criticized like that. Sorry. Sorry. These things take time. If there's any danger, we'll be notified in due course. Listen. Well, they're only our own natives. They beat their own drums, you know. Somebody went past that window. That's probably only Nyoka, my dear. Surely you're not afraid of our own servant. No, but I... Master! 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 Nyoka, listen to me. Don't hang on to that big curtain. You'll pull it down. Now stand up straight and tell me. What is it? He here, Buana. He here, yes, please. Who's here? Big witch doctor here, yes, please. He come up past in moonlight. He walk slow, boom, boom. He got big teeth eat with me outside front door now. What was that? The drums have stopped. Nyoka's right, sir. We have got a visitor. There's somebody coming down the hall. Better turn down that lamp, Martha. I, I can't seem to find the lamp. My fingers are all thumbs. There's a revolver in the table drawer behind you, sir. I don't need it. Stand perfectly still, all of you. <coughs> now, please, friends all, don't be alarmed. Are you English? That's right, miss. Born and bred in Streatham. Which of you is the British consul? I am the British resident, sir. My name is Richardson. May I ask the meaning of this tomfoolery? Well, that's just what I'm here to tell you. Or maybe I'd better show you. Now, observe me right hand. I hold it up so, and as I live, a lighted cigar. That perhaps the lady doesn't like smoking in the drawing room. Now, look here. There's nothing up my sleeves. I wouldn't deceive you for the world. I turn over me hand, and would you believe it? A glass of water. Is this man insane? Father... I think he's trying to tell you he's a magician. That's right, miss. Direct from the Egyptian hall, Piccadilly. Animal taming and magic. That's my line. Then you're the famous witch doctor that's got all the natives in an uproar? Nobody else, young fella. Yes. Well, you tell us what you mean by this nonsense. Scaring everybody when there's no danger. No danger? I suppose you haven't heard about Sayed Caliph and his Gatling guns? Gatling guns? Kindly presented by Dr. Otto Schmidt. And believe me... All you've got is an appointment with a Gatling gun, unless my nonsense steps in. Here, take a look at this. But you can't be from the British Foreign Office. Well, that's just what I am, Governor, and going up in the world, don't you think? <laughs> By the way, I'd better give you your instructions. The envelope's pretty dirty and a little bit smelly from being under my furs and devil paint, but... Uh... Read it, sir. Go on and read it. Foreign Office, Whitehall, British Consul, Zanzibar. Bearer of this letter, the great Mephisto. That's me. Real name, Barney Hicks. They must be out of their minds. Are they? Listen, old man. I've been three weeks in that jungle with a Swahili interpreter. I've been bitten and stung and fried to death. But Schmidt or no Schmidt, I've got those native chiefs just where I want them. You see what happens when I announce I'm a friend of the great white queen? 
Why, you'll have him eaten out of your hand. Well, that's true. And all we've got to do is get around Sayed Caliph here on this island. But do we need to get around him? The young lady will be good enough not to speak until you're spoken to. Oh, I'm sorry, Father. Sayed may be lazy and as fat as a hippopotamus. He's rather a fine old boy. Is he? You said something about Gatling guns. Now, listen. Here's the game. Father, I don't like this. I've never heard Nero as restless as that. Never mind, Nero. Go on. Well, I came over here tonight in a steam launch. Tomorrow I'm paying my state visit to the great Sultan Sayed Caliph. Now, you present me as your friend, and a friend of the great white queen, and I do my best tricks at... Is anything wrong with your native boy? Nayoka, be still. You're not afraid of our witch doctor friend, are you? No, I could Christian... Yeah, what are you doing? Come out from under that sofa. But, Buana, I see something. I look out through windows. Let's see Buana Baldhead coming apart. Buana Baldhead? That's Dr. Schmidt. Dr. Schmidt? Well, he mustn't find me here. Yes, I quite agree. This, uh, this is most irregular. Is there a back way out of here? Yes, through that arch. Stay in the back room. Nyoko will show you. Me go with which doctor? Yes, hurry, please. I know, like, Never I mind know, what you like. like. You go. All right, Master. All right, they've gone. Yes, about time, too. Well, good evening, Dr. Schmidt. Pleasure to see you. Always a pleasure to see you. Ah, my friends. I wish I could say it was such a pleasure to see you. Isn't it, Doctor? This at any time but now. Uh, do not mistake me, I beg of you. No, it is that confounded line, Nero. Always I say it will happen, and now it has happened. What about Nero? My friends, I regret. Yes, me is killed. Yes, tasted blood. What's that? Uh, you permit that I sit down and take off my sun helmet. I am not young and I'm tired. It's not Sayed Caliph. Yeah, yeah, it is so. Yes, he sat lying once too often. Oh, poor old boy. He was our friend. He's not dead. Yeah, yeah, I regret. Yeah, he is dead. Sultan of Sansabar is dead. Oh, death. But how did the lion ever get at him? He drank too much pomba. That was his trouble. He got drunk and think he can do too much. So he opened the door and went to the lion's cage. Into the cage? Yeah, would you believe it? Not easily, but it is true. Over the palace there is what you call gnashing of teeth. His son Nobius in tears. Did you see this happen, doctor? No, no, no. I, I go there later and they tell me. It. It's all of us because of some foolish toy. Doomhead's toy. That he has been stuck over the head and thrown into the cage by someone who did not like him. Well, that's more likely, if you ask me. My friend, it is foolishness. Everybody liked old man. He was a father to his people and a kind friend. Doctor, are you telling us that Saeed may, may have been put into that cage unconscious? It is what one African the soldier says, yeah. Well, then he may still be alive. Alive? It is impossible. It's more than possible. A lion may maul an unconscious man, but it doesn't often kill him. This is vital. Vital to Saeed himself and others as well. You're a doctor. Can't you go and make sure? My friend, I regret. I am not that kind of a doctor. Harris, you may be right. I think I'd better go myself. Is this a good idea, sir? I'll stay here and uh, entertain Dr. Schmidt. Unless, of course, he wants to go, too. Uh, no, no, no. I, I thank you. I, I do not like sights of that sort. I, I have a tender heart and I have illnesses. Besides, you can do nothing. I tell you, he is dead. Yes, we'll see. Uh, Martha, you better come with me. Your nurse's training may be of some use at last. Of course. Um, hadn't we better go the back way and speak to Nyoka? Yes, Nyoka mustn't be troubled in that back room. 
A very good evening to you, Dr. Schmidt. Ah, Mr. Harris. They have good hearts, but they're so foolish. I would give my own right arm to that poor man. But, well, we must have philosophy. We must cheer up and bear it. Yes. Now, Doctor, we're all alone. So we are. So we are. We must sit down and have a nice, comfortable chat. Yes? Definitely, yes. Oh. I wanted to have a word with you anyway. Ah, so? About what, Mr. Harris? Oh, various things. I am happy to give you all the time in the world. I, I like talking to young people. It makes me feel young again myself. Like, uh, Nobi? Nobi? Sayyid Khalif's eldest son. The new sultan. Ah, one fine young man. Or a savage. Yes, but, uh, weak. Easy to manage. And very fond of his father, too. It's a wonder he didn't have the lion shot after they got the body away. <laughs> shot with butt, my friend. <laughs> I beg your pardon, Emil. I, I do not consider the matters funny. No, no, no. I, but uh, shot with what? These brutes, they have nothing but loading muskets. Kill near with those? No. Suppose they had Gatling guns. Pardon? Uh, just suppose that, of course. Of course. Well? Ach, my friend. Gatlings would be of no better use. You only wound. To kill a lion, you must reach the eye or heart with a high-power bullet. What is the matter with us? Why are we talking of these things? Talking of death, you mean? Of Said Khalif, who gave all the trade concessions on Zanzibar to the British? My friend, I was talking about express rifles. Look here, don't you find it warm in here? Yeah, yeah, a little. Yes, it uh, smells of animals' fur, doesn't it? I'll just raise those sun blinds. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, you must not trouble yourself to do that. It's no trouble. I, 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 I beg of you not to trouble. It is not necessary. Doctor, you've been mopping your forehead ever since you've been here. A little fresh air never hurt anybody. Here. Here. Isn't that better? Much. Much. Uh, why not sit down, my boy, and we have a nice chat. Fine enough night. No smell of the animal's cage here. My friend, you talk like a hunter. Yes. Or a victim. Yes, it's a fine night. At least for this part of the world. Fire still burning on the mainland. I wonder if that's a good sign. Of what? wish I knew. And the sea is like skim milk under the moon. And... Good Lord. What is it? What makes you jump? Look there, in the harbor. My friend, I see nothing. Perhaps if I take off my spectacles and vibe... Why, man, you must see it. In the harbor, out at the left there, beyond the shadow of those big palm trees. Don't you see our riding lights? It looks... By George, it is. It's a warship. It is only a German gunboat, my friend. Only a very little German gunboat. German gunboat? My friend, you must not be so distrustful. Uh, that is not kind. Uh, let me get a telescope. But I tell you who she is. It is nothing. She is on what you call a goodwill tour. You're not angry. Angry? <laughs> now, my friend... Well, I, I did not know. I, I could not guess... Uh, 
that is, uh, England is so hard to understand. <laughs> we know that ourselves. I, I, I tell you something in confidence. The Germans are sensitive. The British objected. The natives feel too strong. I tell the gunboat to go away. I fire an express rifle. It has a sound. Boom! You cannot mistake for another. That is why I think of an express rifle. But if nobody will object... Why, I... not the least bit. Tell me, Doctor. Do you like it here on this island? Well, just not bad. Don't you ever want to get away from a forsaken mud heap like this? My friend, I am a chairman. My duty is here, as I stay here. Yes, I know. Between ourselves, that's... Exactly my position. But you are young. That's not the point. It's the importance of the job. The British don't rule Zanzibar. We hold the trade concessions from Said Khalif, and our residency has to protect them. But even you, Doctor, would be surprised at the amount of trade that we have to protect and the revenue that comes out of this island. Is that so now? You don't say so. I do say so. Is it so much? More than you think. Of course... <laughs> I'm not allowed to give you any figures. No, no, no. Of course not. I, I would not dream of asking you. How, how much would you say it comes to, roughly? Oh, come now, doctor. As one gentleman to another, you're not asking me to give away secrets. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> That's only a joke, I understand. Right? Uh, please do not try to up-trip me. I, uh, I would try to pull your leg, and uh, it was only a joke, believe me. Yes. <laughs> it's all in the game, as it were. Yes, all in the game, as gentlemen. Oh, doctor, you're quite really? a humorist. Uh, you are not defended. Not at all. No, as I was saying, I uh, hold a rather important job. Of course, Mr. Richardson holds an even more important one. He's been very friendly with old Said Khalifa on this job. Um, of course, you know what that job is? Of course. He's the British consul. What is the matter with you? You're not smiling any longer. Are you looking at me like that? So that's it. That's the game. You made exactly the same mistake that he did. <laughs> Shoot it. Dr. Schmidt, have you met the great lord of the witch doctors, the maker of spells and the tamer of lions? I am a good Christian. I pay no attention to what natives say. I, I, I do not believe in witch doctors. No, neither do I. Not in this one, at any rate. What one? The witch doctor who came here tonight and said that he was on a mission for the British Foreign Office. He's an imposter from the word go, and you're working with him. Oh, don't upset your chair like that, Dr. Schmidt. Because if you fall on it, you may hurt yourself. I have not hurt myself, young man. Oh, yes, you have. The fellow who came here tonight addressed Mr. Richardson as the British consul. That might have been a slip of the tongue. But then you see the letter on the table there? I have eyesight, I thank you. That letter is supposed to come from the foreign office. And it calls him the British consul, too. I heard it read aloud. The foreign office may make mistakes. But they don't make mistakes like that. That letter, doctor, is a forgery. It was forged by a German, and probably by the German who calls himself Barney Hicks, or the great Mephisto. He's in the back room now. No, he's not, Governor. He's standing in the doorway behind you now. Yes, I thought I heard you. But don't turn around to look at me. I'm just warning you. Have you got anything to enforce that? Yes. I've got a 5 express rifle that could smear you all over the opposite wall. Carl, 
Pass to Aki Matust. Well, if you fellows are going to shoot me, I wish you'd speak English about it. Carl, I beg of you. No, no, no. Don't fire that rifle. Exactly. You see, Carl, I'm turning around. This is all very... Uh, now, now, Carl. You see what the doctor means, Carl? If you fire that rifle, you'll send your gunboat out of that harbor just when you need it. Isn't that the signal, doctor? To send the gunboat away? Carl, I beg of you. Yes, it is. Very simple, economical German signal. So, you two killed Saeed Khalif. But the slander, that cannot be proved. Had to do it, I imagine. Saeed was the one chief that you couldn't buy or frighten with your witch doctor, so you got rid of him. Tomorrow morning, the witch doctor would have appeared. He'd have scared the daylights out of a weak and superstitious son, Noby. I told you I was fairly good at my work, Governor. And I am. Yes, and then the witch doctor would have taken over everything. The British resident had to be bamboozled for 24 hours to keep him out of the way with a ghost story about a, a British agent. And there was a gunboat in the harbor in case of trouble. Slight mistake there, Governor. There is a gunboat in the harbor. Yes. It's really worked out beautifully. The Emperor should be pleased. I don't think your white queen will be very happy, though. I'm the great witch doctor to that frightened mob over there. Say it is dead. And there's a German gunboat in the arbor. Listen, I think I hear something. Whoever's out there, stay back. Whoever's out there, stay back. Will, listen to me. Say it's alive. He's alive. This is impossible. We can see him breathe. We don't even think he's badly hurt, but he's still in the cage, unconscious. Still in the cage? You mean they can't get him out of there? If he wakes up or they attempt anything nearer, we'll tear him to pieces. The whole crowd over there is nearly crazy, but they don't dare go into the cage. Well, gentlemen, you should have been more careful. If they do get Saeed out of there alive, you're done for. Be quiet. Listen. Noby and the rest of the natives are coming up here now. See here, miss. Are you talking about the old boy's son? Noby, yes. He wants to see the witch doctor. The witch doctor? This puts you in some slight trouble, Carl. Uh, listen to me, miss. I couldn't get that old buzzard from the... out away from a mad lion, even if I... I've got to get out of here. Too late now, my dear witch doctor. The natives have surrounded the house. Who's that? It's Noby. He's coming down the hall. My Noby. Speak wide language. Harry Sultan Swan. Witch doctor. Much respect. Fallen floor. Go ahead. Play your part, Carl. Play your ruddy part. Get up again. Great medicine man. Father hurt. In cage with lion. You come. Say something, Carl. You can't be a dumb wizard. You come. My dear Nobi, my friend. The witch doctor can't understand you. Hey, witch doctor. Not speak everything. Part witch doctor. No, no. It is not that. He does not hear you. He's in another world. See, see, see how his eyes close. See how he sway. I know this. He saved my father. Or maybe all of you. We will kill all white people here. Which doctor saved my father from lion? You come. Nobby, listen to me. You needn't worry. The great witch doctor can save your father. Go in cage? No, not go in cage. Strike with fire? Yes, that's it. Strike with wizard fire. Open heaven. Flash great light. Narrow scream and die. Father saved. Carl, you must not save him. 
We remain alive, he will talk. Then the natives will know. You're not one to save father? The witch doctor does want to save your father, Nobi. You see that gun under his arm? Gun? Gun no good. Not use gun. Only wound lion. Lion in pain, kill father. No, that's not like your muskets, Nobi. It's an express gun. It's... It's a magic gun. Magic gun? Listen, Nobi. Magic gun save your father with one shot. Just like that. Lion fall over dead. Your father well again. And our friend. We use gun. Give me gun. No, you could not use it, Nobi. Which doctor can use it best? Tell him to use it. Tell him to be sure that he hits the lion. Now look here, Harris. I've had enough of this. Yes, Nobi. If he wants to hit Nero with that white fire, he can strike the lion dead before you could wink your eyes. Then do. You'd better try it, Carl. And you'd better not miss him, or you know what'll happen to every white person in this room. My hands are shaking. I... A magician with shaky hands? That won't do. I take your shoulder. You follow. Yala, Ngombo! All come! Palace door. All caught over river. Bright as day. Thousand torches. All make light. Now do. Now do. See how quiet they get when nobody raises his hands. They're praying. So are we. Won't do it. You better. I told you that. They're out of hand now. If you miss, you're no witch, Doctor. And if you had any thought of hitting Saeed instead, just imagine what they do to you. I can't see it. These torches blind me. You do. I think the old man's moving. If he stirs, the lion will kill him. You know what that means. That's right. Up with a rifle. My hands are shaking. Be careful of your sights. It's a point-blank shot. Allah! All right, Nobi. The lion is dead. They can go in and carry your father out now. Lion dead? German magic is great magic. Yes, Nobby, it is. But English magic is greater. English magic better than German magic? Yes, Nobby, and I'll prove it. Turn around. Look out towards the harbor. I stand here. I wave my hand, like this. Nothing up my sleeves. I wouldn't deceive you for the world. I wave my hand towards the gunboat in the bay. The gunboat sails away. English magic, Nobi. English magic. So ends The Lord of the Witch Doctors. Tonight's story of Suspense.
Next Tuesday, when CBS again brings you Suspense, our story will be The Devil in the Summer House. The broadcast for next week only is scheduled for 10 p.m. Eastern Wartime, a half hour later than usual. William Spear, the producer, John Dietz, the director, Bernard Herman, the composer-conductor, and John Dixon Carr, the author, are all collaborators on... Suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. of mental uncertainty, usually accompanied by apprehension or anxiety, fear of something which is about to occur as, do not keep me any longer in suspense. For our story of suspense tonight, we invite you to enjoy The Devil in the Summer House by John Dixon Carr. Somewhere along the Hudson, perhaps not far from Terrytown, there is a modest house in its own grounds. Behind it, in a spacious garden, stands a summer house of evil memory. More than 25 years ago, a man shot himself, or at least died, in that summer house. They found Major Kenyon with a scorched bullet hole in his head and the weapon beside him. But we are in the present now. The latticed summer house has grown heavy with vines. And only the other evening, two men came into that garden at twilight, over the shaggy grass, as a storm was brewing along the Hudson. Two men. The lawyer from New York. Who's there? And Captain Burke of the Homicide Squad. Easy, my friend, easy. I was just going to ask you the same thing. My name is Parker. I'm an attorney. You're not Captain Burke. Yeah, the very same and no other. I thought I recognized you, Mr. Parker. Must be something important to bring you so far from New York at this time of night. I was in Tarrytown anyway. I thought there'd be a housekeeper here. But I don't see any lights. You've got business here? Yes, in a way. Have you? I don't know. I'll tell you better after you tell me what brought you to a place that no one has lived in for ten years. Tell me, Captain. Did you ever get an anonymous letter from a dead man? Did you? No, I can't say I did. 
the letter's anonymous, how do you know the man's dead? Because they're all dead. Every last one of them. Dead and under the ground where they can't be hurt any longer. Look. There's the summer house where Jerry Kenyon used to work. There are the windows of the library and the dining room. Looking for it. Confound this lightning. Makes the windows blaze, don't it? Jerry Kenyon hadn't a care in the world. Yet he shot himself. I'll show you the letter. Now, look, Mr. Parker, I couldn't read anything in this light. But if we can get inside the house Certainly now... we can get into the house. I was the family attorney. I've got the keys. Why should a dead person send me a letter? You got a flashlight, I see. Came here prepared for anything, eh? This is the library. There were always candles on the mantel. Uh, yes, there they are. Have you a match, Captain? Oh, uh, yes, I'll light them. Uh, that's better. Same old heavy furniture. Same old thick carpet. Same old globe map. Oh, uh, Mr. Parker, this letter that you were talking about... Yeah. Read it. Hey, wait a minute. This thing is dated November 2nd, 1918. That's right, and be careful of that paper. You see how old it is? But it was mailed yesterday. From where? I don't remember. I didn't keep the envelope. Read it. Dear Joe. In case you didn't know it, I'm Joe. Dear Joe, if you want to know how Major Kenyon really died... But we know how he died. It was suicide. Are you sure it was? Whoever wrote this letter doesn't seem to think so. If you want to know how Major Kenyon really died, look in the third drawer of the desk in the library. Press hard at the back of the drawer, yours very truly. That's not signed. That's right. Are you sure you don't know who wrote that letter? This is the first time I've been back in this room, Captain. It was almost a home to me once. There's the chair where Isabel sat on the afternoon it happened. Isabel was Jerry Kenyon's wife, beautiful woman. There's the door that the maid let me in by that afternoon. You know, Captain, it seems to me they're all here tonight. Who? We stand... Beneath the sounding rafter. And the walls around us are bare. As they echo our peals of laughter, it seems that the dead are there. Yet we stand to our glasses steady. You know it? I was in my school reader. How does the rest of it go? Yet we stand to our glasses steady and drink to our comrades' eyes. Here's a glass to the dead already. Hurrah for the next that dies. Excuse me, Captain. I don't know what's come over me talking that way. I was very fond of these people. Are you going to look in the desk, Rob? This is a lot of nonsense. Then why are you here, Mr. Parker? 
Jerry Kenyon was always a happy man. At least that's what I always thought. Big, boisterous fellow. Yeah. He had a good position with Vitatone. You know, the phonograph company. Yeah, sure I know. But he'd just been made a major in the army. 1917. There was a war on then, too, if you remember. I remember. To make the world safe for democracy. Old days. Old heartaches. Old memories. I remember that blazing hot day in August. When all the windows were up. I remember this room. And Isabel... That was Jerry's wife, sitting in that chair, knitting. I remember... Oh, yes, Kitty. What is it? There's a man to see you, Miss Ken, and he says his name's Parker. Yes, I'm expecting him. Show him in, please. All right, ma'am. Shall I take your knitting in your knitting bag? Why should you take my knitting? I don't know, Miss Kenyon. I just wondered. You can come in now. Thank you. Hello, Joe. Hello, Isabel. You sent for me? Joe, I must apologize for Kitty. Servants are getting to be a problem nowadays. She looks pretty enough to get along. Oh, Kitty's got large ideas. She wants to go on the stage, if you please, and do imitations, like Miss Draper. She only knew how hard it was acting all your life. Isabel... You've been crying. I have not. At least... Is that why you sent for me? I've missed you. You haven't been here in over a week, Joe. I had an idea Jerry was getting a little tired of having me around this house. Oh, no, Joe. Why, Jerry... Yes, what about Jerry? I wish I knew, Joe. That's why I wanted you here. Where is he, by the way? I want to say goodbye to him before he leaves. He's probably out in the summer house where he works with all those papers... He's got a lot of work to catch up with. He's going overseas tomorrow. Yes, I know. He's out there. He's been out there all day. His last day here. And I've been alone. That sounded like a shot. <laughs> yes, it was a shot, Joe. The house dear. doesn't seem to worry you. <laughs> it's only Paul. Jerry's brother, Paul. Oh, thought you'd gotten him off your hands for good. Jerry asked him out. He got here two nights ago. That doesn't make it any easier for you, does it? No, I don't mind. Jerry's fixed him up with a pistol range in the cellar. Paul's a terribly bad shot. Not like the rest of us. You don't seem to like it, Joe. Uh, shall I have Kitty go down and tell him No, no, job? no, it's terrible. As long as he keeps away. Poor Joe. But, uh... About Jerry. Who is it this time? Joe... Jerry's been home five days on leave from camp. Well, uh, never mind what camp. But he spent four evenings of those five with... with that Fisk woman. Diane Fisk? The redhead with all the money? Oh, she got money? Well... She must have some attraction, then. Please understand me, Joe. It's not that I'm jealous any longer. It's just that... No, no, that of course not. Jerry goes his way, and I go mine. I... May not be without admirers myself, if it comes to that. You've no idea how true that is, Isabel. No, uh, I was thinking about Jerry. He may not always be lucky. He may meet some girl who's not as broad-minded as I am. And then when he gives her the go-by... Oh. Paul, 
Paul must be getting really furious down in that cell. He's not hitting anything. He must be using a lot of ammunition. Now, your trouble, Joe, is that you're too much of a gentleman. And if you really want to see Jerry, uh, there he is now. Where? Uh, just standing in the door of the summer house. Uh, look out the window. Infinitely bright out there. Doesn't he look noble in his new uniform? Sam Brown belt and revolver and everything. Look how he turns around and waves his cap at us. Like a real soldier. Real soldiers don't exactly wave their caps, do they? He does. Uh, Jerry! Jerry! Hello there! Jerry, Joe Parker's here. Who? Joe Parker. He wants to see you. Into the summer house again. Not a care in the world, Henry. Now, listen, Isabel, you've got to slow down. You'll be crying again in a minute. Come on over here and sit down. Uh, light hurts my eyes, that's all. Well, then we'll just pull these blinds. We'll still be able to see it. There, how's that? It's better, thanks. Now, can Jim. I get you anything? Oh, no, you heard the great white chief's orders. I'm to get you something. Uh, what do you have, Joe? Highball? Don't bother with that. Oh, it's no bother. Everything's out in the dining room here. The Iceman didn't deliver today of all days, so I'm afraid I can't give you any ice. I uh, read in the paper yesterday that we're likely to have automatic ice boxes any day now. Uh, you know, uh, things that freeze ice by electricity or something. Uh, do you believe that, Joe? I doubt it. Listen, Isabel. Uh, here you are. It's not cold at all. It's the best I could do. Thanks, Emma. What I wanted to say was, couldn't you get that brother of yours to give up practicing now? Hasn't he done his good deed for the day? <laughs> Yes, maybe he has. Uh, I'll ring for Kitty. You don't have to call me, Miss Canyon. I'm here. Oh, yes, Kitty. What is it? It's only to tell you there's another visitor. This time it's a woman. Lady Kitty. Call her a lady, please. Well, maybe. She says her name's Diane Fisk. Diane Fisk? That's Jerry. Uh, Kitty, tell the lady I'm not in. Lady. <laughs> She's a fine lady. I don't want to intrude, my dear. I don't want to intrude. <clears throat> Anyway, it's too late, Miss Kenyon. She's coming down the hall now. My dear Mrs. Kenyon. <laughs> How do you do, Diane? This is a friend of ours, Miss Fisk, uh, Mr. Parker. How do you do? Now, I don't want to intrude, really. I don't. I wouldn't have intruded for worlds, especially on a day like this. Isn't it awful? But your husband simply insisted, my dear Mrs. Kenyon, he simply wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't. Do you know what he's brought from his office as a surprise? No. A phonograph recording machine. He's going to let us use it. So that we can all hear ourselves talk twice. How nice. <laughs> Heaven's name, can't somebody stop that firing? Don't fly off the handle. Take it easy now. Kitty. Yes, ma'am? Would you please go down the cellar and tell Mr. Kenyon's brother he's driving us all crazy. Tell him to stop. Yes, ma'am. My dear Mrs. Kenyon, I do hope I haven't offended you in any way. I, I know I'm a silly little chatterbox. They say people who have red hair often are. <laughs> because at your age, you, you must find the heat very dry. Uh, don't you think we'd all better sit down? I I was very much interested in what Miss Fisk said about our phonograph recording machine. Mrs. Kenyon was just talking about a machine to make ice. Yes, yes. Isn't science wonderful? But I do think it was mean of Major Kenyon to invite me out here and then go and fall asleep in the summer house. Did you say fall asleep? Yes, of course. How did you know? Well, I came up the back way and I saw him in the summer house with his head forward on the table. Taking a nice little snooze. That's very queer. Of course, you couldn't see much except in the bright light of the door, but I think I saw him there. 
I didn't disturb him, naturally. But I think I'd better disturb him. Oh, now, please don't trouble on my account. The fact is, my dear, I don't altogether trust myself in this room. A woman of my age has to conserve his strength, you know. So if you'll just excuse me... Well, of course, if you... Oh, dear, I just can't think what I'm always saying because I, I have the best intentions in the world, Mr. Barker. Parker. Uh, Oh, yes, Parker, but I do somehow manage to offend people being so dependent and everything. <laughs> Except the men, of course. I couldn't offend you, Mr. Barker, a Parker. <laughs> now, could I? <laughs> Madam, I'm not sure. Well, of course, the person I really came to see was Paul, Mr. Kenyon's brother. He's a little young, of course, but he's joining up next month, and I think we should all do our bit, don't you? <laughs> he has such a pleasant personality. I think he likes me. Why, if he walked in at that door this minute... Now, how am I ever going to get any place? Someone's always interrupting my revolver practice just when I'm getting to the point where I can... Oh. Why, Paul. Good Lord, are you here again? You're a very untidy object, Paul. Well, it's pretty untidy in this cellar. And dirty. I've got cockroaches on me, so keep away. Did you have a good day shooting? Swell. One of the best. Hit the target? On the only shot that mattered, I hit the target dead center. That sounded like Isabel. I think it was Isabel. Why have you got those blinds down? Get them up. What is it? What's wrong with you? What are you looking at through that window? Twenty-five years ago, Captain Burke, we found Jerry Kenyon lying across the table in the summer house. He'd shot himself through the head with his own revolver in the holster. It was lying on the floor beside him. Shut up, sir, I see. When Isabel found him, he'd been dead about half an hour. The doctors proved that, did they? Yes, that shot had been fired against his head. The front of his uniform cap was powder-burned where the bullet entered. There's no doubt about that. None at all. We never noticed the real shot because... Because that young lad was shooting off guns like a maniac in the cellar. Precisely. Now they're all dead. By accident, illness, they're all gone. Isabel Kenyon died less than a year afterwards. I think she died just because she was so fond of Jerry. I suppose you've guessed my little secret. Oh, I think I can sort of read between the lines. You were in love with Isabel Kenyon, weren't you? Yes. Well, these things happen. I never let her see it, you understand? Women know, pretty generally. So? They're gone. The youngest of them. And I'm left alone... With old tunes, old ghosts, wondering why the fellow ever killed himself. Why? Why? And this morning, out of a clear sky, I get a letter saying, if you want to know how Major Kenyon really died, look in the third drawer of the desk in the library. But I tell you, we know how he died. Well, aren't you going to do it? Naturally. I've got a key somewhere here that fits the drawer. Now, listen, Mr. Parker. 
In my father's country, in Ireland, they got a saying that when a man's going to commit suicide... I thought of doing that too. Then the devil comes in and takes him by the hand and talks to him. They say you can see the devil as plain as I see you just before you pull the trigger. The devil must have been in the summer house that afternoon then. Oh, no, he wasn't. What do you mean? Major Kenyon didn't kill himself. He was murdered. My dear Captain Burke, the police covered all that at the time. Everybody had an alibi. They did, did they? Well, think of what I've told you. Isabel and I were together all the time. Paul, her brother, was shooting off guns in the cellar. Diane Fisk. Yeah, what about her? Her chauffeur who drove her there swore he saw her walk straight up to the place. She passed the summer house, but didn't stop there. Well, that checks. Even Kitty the maid could prove she'd never stirred out of the house until just a minute or so before Isabel went herself. Oh, and why did the maid have to leave the house at all? She was taking Jerry the black coffee he drank every afternoon. He'd already been dead half an hour then. And that, my dear Captain, disposes of everybody. Well, now listen, Mr. Parker. You're a good guy, and I'm not going to hold out on you any longer. You see, I say Major Kenyon was murdered because I know he was murdered. By an outsider? By one of the people in the house. That's impossible. Is it? Well, why don't you open that desk drawer and see? What time is it? Uh, it's quarter to eight. Quarter to eight? And I haven't got much time. For what? Holy St. Patrick, will you open that drawer? If it's waited 25 years, my friend, it can wait a minute more. I've got the key somewhere in this bunch of keys. Everything the same. Paul never altered what he inherited. Same old desk, same old phonograph. Same old... I think this is the key. Yeah. It opens. There's nothing here except one or two old newspapers. Everything very dirty. The letter says to press hard at the back. Now, have you tried that? Doesn't seem to. Yes, my George, it does work. Well? There seems to be a movable back on a hinge. Well, what's inside? Uh, uh, some sort of flat brown paper parcel sealed with wax. And about as dirty as it can get. Open it, man, open it. I'm going to. It's a phonograph record. There's a plain white label. Something on it written in pencil. I don't see too well nowadays without my glasses. Uh, here, give it to me. I'll read it to Let's you. Go on. A record of how I killed Jerry Kenyon. Say, don't you get it, Mr. Parker? This is the real goods. The murderer's going to tell us his own story 25 years later. Be careful. Whatever you do, don't drop it. You seem to be interested enough now. I don't say I'm not interested. I say I can't believe it. You know, when you were talking about the dead coming back and that kind of thing, you sure started giving me goose pimples. But that's just what it is, a dead person. Now, there's the phonograph. Put that record on. Let's hear what the ghost says. Any of them could have made the record, of course. The apparatus was all here. Don't just stand there by the phonograph. Won't it work? Yes, it works. Is it wound up? Yes, it's wound up. Here goes. Now, look, Mr. Parker. Whose voice do you think it's going to be? I don't know. Now, I want to warn you. The voice you're going to hear from there... Please, be quiet. Listen. I've started it up. Well? Speak up. 
Who killed Jerry Kenyon? I killed him, Joe, dear. What's it, Bill? I'm sorry about it, Joe, but I had to have you for an alibi. And you were so terribly easy to fool. It's only a phonograph record, man. Don't look at it as if it was alive. You said you and I were always together, Joe. But that wasn't quite true. I left you to go into the dining room and mix a highball, remember? Yes. And I was carrying my big knitting bag. Remember that, too? And there was something else in it besides knitting. I'm an awfully good revolver shot, Joe. I told you we were all good except Paul. And the back windows of the dining room faced the same way as the back windows of the library. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you. Jerry was in the summer house. I made a sign to him from the window, and he came to the door there. In bright sunlight, 50 feet away. True again, Isabel. Joe, don't you know what August heat is in a wooden summer house? Didn't you... Didn't anybody see that no man would be wearing a cap inside on a day like that? Jerry had taken his cap off before he went into the summer house. We saw him do it. He was bareheaded when he came to the door. So I lifted the revolver and shot him through the head. Then I dropped the gun back in my knitting bag and went back into the library with your drink. Isabel, don't talk back to the thing, man. You'll drive me screwy. There was in my knitting bag, too. I had to use it. It was a duplicate of Jerry's army camp with a powder-burned hole already fired through it in the place I wanted. Very clever of you, Isabel. So I've been the goat for 25 years. I waited for some time and then slipped out to find the body. I fitted a new cap over Jerry's head in place where it ought to go. I put the old cap in my knitting bag. I took his revolver out of the holster and kept it. The gun that I'd used, I dropped on the floor beside him. So I proved it was suicide. You see? You proved it to me. Joe. Joe, listen, I'm very sick. They tell me I'm going to die. You are dead. Joe, I'm afraid. I'm going out in the dark and I... I don't know what's there. Don't go away, Isabel. Come Joe. Out. Just for a minute. Okay, I've had just about enough of this. Joe, I want you to tell everybody about it. I want you to tell them how a poor, crazy woman couldn't stand that man any longer. And how... There. It's cut off and it's going to stay cut off. Thank you. I've heard about enough, too. But you can't arrest her now, my friend. You can't arrest her now. After hearing that, I'm not going to arrest anybody. Tell me, Captain. Did you know what was on the record? No. That's why I had to hear it. I knew about it, but I wasn't sure what it had to say. But so help me, I never guessed how hard it would hit you. Man. Don't you get it even yet? Yes, I get it. Oh, no, you don't. You don't see anything. That was how the fake suicide was managed, yes. That's just how it was all done, bar one or two little things. Only... Only what? Only it wasn't Isabel Kenyon who committed the murder. Did I hear you correctly? You did? This is another one of your little jokes, I imagine. Can't you let me alone? Have you some kind of personal spite against me? What did I hold ever it. do... You're going to hear the real truth now if I have to hold you down in that chair. I know Mrs. Kenyon didn't kill her husband because I've just come from talking to the real murderer, 
up the river. But they're all dead. Oh, no, they're not. And I haven't got much time either. That clock's just going to strike eight. What's the time got to do with it? Good deal if you'll follow me. Mrs. Kenyon died less than a year after her husband, didn't she? Yes. But it wasn't Mrs. Kenyon's voice you just heard in that record. What? I'm telling you, the real murderer hated her. Hated her like poison and wanted her blamed for the crime. When Mrs. Kenyon died, the real murderer wrote a letter. Well? But she never mailed that letter. She made a lying record of Isabel Kenyon's voice as evidence. Now you figure it out for yourself. Who was pretty enough to take Major Kenyon's eye and strike back like fury when she got thrown over? Who wanted to go on the stage and do impersonations? Kitty, the maid. Ah, you're talking sense. She shot Jerry from the dining room window. When she couldn't borrow Mrs. Kenyon's knitting bag, she went out to the summer house with a gun and the fake cap wrapped a napkin on a coffee tray. She did go out, I remember. Actually, she got there before Mrs. Kenyon did. But the summer house was dark inside and Mrs. Kenyon never noticed her. The next day, Kitty wrote that letter, but she couldn't bring herself to send it. So she kept that letter till the day before yesterday... Then one of the boys at Sing Sing... Wait a minute. ...thinking he was doing her a kind action, put a stamp on it and mailed it. Did you say Sing Sing? Yes. They're electrocuting her tonight for the murder of an Italian down at Collier's Hook. I found out about the record, all right. But the one thing I wasn't sure of was that, that she had done the job alone. Now, frankly, the way you acted, I thought that you might have been in on it, too. Well... That's why I had to hear it through. And it was anything but a joke. And now, here it goes to blazes forever. Eight o'clock. Now she's dead. Devil in the Summer House. Tonight's story of Suspense. The part of Mr. Parker was played by Martin Gable. Again next Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime. A story dedicated to the thrill of the nighttime. The hushed voice and the prowling step. Another adventure in suspense. William Spear, the producer, John Dietz, the director, and John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on suspense. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.